Hello and welcome to Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood, a podcast that's all about changing the way we view midlife and bringing the conversation about menopause out into the open. Each week we share stories, experiences, tips and inspirations. We talk to experts on how to best navigate this time of life and how to have as much fun as we can. I'm your host, Karen O'Connor. Let's get right into it. I'm here today with one of my favorite authors, Danielle Hawkins. Welcome, Danielle, and thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure. So Danielle has written um, how many books? Four or five? Is it four or five? Five. Five. Five books now, and the last one I finished reading a few weeks ago is called Two Shakes of a Lamb's Tail. The other four are all novels set in her native New Zealand, but Two Shakes of a Lamb's Tail is actually based fairly closely around her own a year in her own life as a, a mother, a farmer's wife, a vet, and an author. I used to love reading James Herriot's It Shouldn't Happen to a Vet when I was little, and it really took me back to that stuff. I love Grand Chariot too. What made you change from novels to writing about your own, well, based upon your own life? What happened there? Uh, I had an email from the publisher saying, you wouldn't like to write something true, would you? That stuff is selling really well. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, that, that was all. I wasn't struck by an epiphany or anything like that. But um, it, it does make a very pleasant change actually being asked to do something because you know normally you produce this manuscript and sort of hand it over and and hope so yeah it was quite flattering having having something requested how did you start right I started doing it seriously when when I had a, a a small baby and I was at home from work you know for the first time ever and I had a lot of time you know what it's like having babies the time is fragmented but there's not a whole lot of sort of real mental drain stuff um, so for the first time I had lots of brain power to concentrate on a big project and yeah and and, and I, I started playing around and I wrote the worst book in the history of the universe but it was so much fun and, and it taught me so much I got really hooked. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you do it? Do you have an idea and then you start writing? Do you plan it out? How does it go? I, I don't and I really struggle with with plot it's definitely not a strength I, I start with a person that I quite like and and sort of wander along and see what hap- see what happens to them which, which does mean that nothing very much happens in a book that I write but and yeah it does at the same time because it's real life like it lands for me like this could be somebody's life it's not full of drama and incidents and and everything it's somebody's life well thank you yeah one of my absolute pet peeves when I'm reading books one of the things that really jars is like screeds of dialogue that you think but no one would talk like that but no one would say that and and yeah so I do I do try hard to to you know often I want something to happen and then I have to go oh no but he wouldn't do that no that person no they just wouldn't one of the things that I really like about your characters is that what's the word gentle isn't quite the right word I can relate to them a lot. They're very attractive kind of characters, you know. I don't, yeah. I don't like antiheroes. I think you. No, what neither do I. I just, I just don't care enough. If, no, if the person's an asked, I just don't care. <laughs> no, I can't get into the book, and I exactly. like them. They have to be a personal friend before you. Yes, can get yes, that's with it. Them. Yeah, I've got to be able to relate to them, and that's what I like. It's like, oh, and I just wanted to succeed in whatever she's doing. <laughs> 
yeah no that's definitely my approach to books and are you a rereader I am a rereader yeah yeah I have to go through and because I don't I love I like to if I get into a story I'll read it very very quickly me too I need most of it yes and then I need to go back and go, okay, what actually happened in several parts? Yeah, ah! That's right. But you've reassured yourself that you're going to like the person. So then you can invest. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's, it. that's the one. <laughs> so it was really interesting that when I read your Two Shakes of a Lamb's Tale, I liked you. I went, oh, she's really nice. I'm going to get in touch with her. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But I mean, of course, being the author, you, you, are, you have the license to make yourself slightly nicer and, you know. <laughs> Always, or you know, my, when my husband read it, he was like, "I don't remember all those arguments being quite like that." <laughs> oh well, you write a book, darling. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that because there were a few arguments, and I went, "I would have slapped him around the head with his with a piece of four by two if he'd said that to me." <laughs> <laughs> Only sometimes. <laughs> so you. So talk to me about being a vet as well, because you've got your hand, your finger in so many pies in your life. I really struggle with compartmentalizing my life, but you seem to be able to do it. How do you do it? <laughs> well, I, I like it, actually. I like having lots of different projects because then when you don't feel like doing one of them, as you often don't, then there are five or six other things that you know are useful and, and valuable to do. So, yeah, it's good. <laughs> so do you, you feel better it... about the procrastination? Because <laughs> you got something else to do. Exactly. Do you find it easy to swap from one thing to another? Um, well, well, the, I mean, the vet thing is very easy because I go to work on those days and then I'm, I'm, I'm not home. I'm doing that. Yeah, and then everything else, you know, the farming and the housework and stuff. That that is all sort of one thing anyway you know just just like just like anybody else any other housewife or mother yeah I I should probably ask you to give us a little bit of background about yourself because I haven't actually said Danielle could you tell me a little bit about yourself and where you live and blah 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 (laughs) oh right yes absolutely yeah so I live um with my husband and two children they're 10 and 13 um on a sheep and beef farm sort of halfway down the north island of New Zealand and and I work three days a week as a mostly a large animal vet bits and pieces of other things and I get to do all the stuff for the Otronga Kiwi house so that's good fun and yeah and then I come home and farm and garden and cook and you know all those other rather dull things <laughs> um, and I I've written yeah this is my fifth book the writing I tend to get up early and do that and then and then at least you've done it when the day goes to pass later as it inevitably does <laughs> is it what made you want to become a vet James Harriet. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah, it really was. It really was. And and I grew up on a farm and, and loved it and always wanted to, to live in the country and, and be on a farm. But the actual farming always looked like far too much hard work to me. So it was the closest alternative I could come up to it. And being a vet is wonderful because you waft onto these different properties and you give all this sort of laborious, expensive, time-consuming advice and then you waft off again. It's, it's great. <laughs> so... I know a few times in the book where you were talking about going to see to cows. Um, it's heavy work, isn't it? You know, a large animal vet is going seeing cows and sheep. You're not in the surgery looking after your little cats and dogs. This is heavy, hard work. Occasionally, um, pregnancy testing season is hard. 
we pregnancy test big numbers and it's right in the middle of summer so it's 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 hot and you know you dress from head to toe in layers of plastic and rubber and <laughs> plunge your arm deep into a nice warm cow which is just not what you want in January but everything so so that is a hard time of of year and you get home and you're tired everything else not so much um we have very good drugs you know you don't have to wrestle the 700 kilogram ball to the ground you give it you give it an injection and it sits down <laughs> where to from here with your books um well the, the the book that I'm writing slowly and laboriously at the moment is a, a a different sort of a thing if anybody ever wants to publish it I, I suspect that they'd call it young adult fiction about a, a princess I wanted to write a, a fantasy like a, a sort of a clever carefully constructed world sort of a Philip Pullman type thing but Unfortunately, I don't seem to be quite clever enough to do that. <laughs> and I'm having I'm having terrible trouble with making my alternative reality consistent. You're finding it really difficult to create a world like that? What is it that's challenging? And I'm asking you as a complete never written a book novice. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you have to be you have to be consistent because it's so jarring and, and so annoying. And so you have to have so much backstory in your in your head. But then having come up with all this backstory, it's very tempting to throw it at people in big stodgy lumps just to sort of prove how much work you've done. And you can't do that either. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a funny thing. You have to have done all this thinking and constructed this absolutely flawless thing, but then take it for granted that everybody understands it and just sort of mention it here and there. It's I'm finding that, well, because I do my writing in an hour and a half in the mornings, I'm not dedicating enough time to construct a, a proper parallel thing I think you'd have to go away and think about it for five years first and, and <laughs> so so what I'm doing is, is sort of writing down a story and every couple of hundred words I think oh oh no I've, that's that's wrong and I if I am creating this made-up festival I have to go back and change everything else and then that would be the day before and they'd have done this and I, I'm not explaining it well at all but no I get it yeah, yeah it's, it's just a it's just a a big project and I can see that either I'll give up on it and just write a straight story or I'll write this one and it will be useless but it will have got my backstory sorted and I'm not quite sure what's going to happen and then maybe you can go on and write another one because you've already put the backstory in there so you don't need to think about it anymore that that's right that's right but yeah I think there's a certain amount of time that has to go into into the backstory <laughs> How long does it normally take you to write something? Oh, a couple of years. I, I write very slowly. Do you do a set number of words today or you just do a, a day or do you just do an hour and a half and see what happens? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I just get up in the morning and turn the computer on and see what happens, more or less. That seems that seems to work best for me. I've tried every method because, of course, writing's really hard <laughs> and so you you'll do anything to avoid it you know you'll read articles on how you should do it and <laughs> mess around and check yourself on goodreads which don't just leads to despair and humiliation and you know does it why oh well I, th I think most people are like this you'll skim through the 99 loved it reviews and focus on the one star from some asshole who didn't bother to read it or <laughs> it wasn't what they hoped or then fester about that for days do you still do that? Is that difficult? No, no, I don't. I don't. I, I have learned. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I tend to, a book comes out and you have to do a certain amount of publicity. Mm. And then I think about it as little as I possibly can. 
and do almost nothing on social media and accept that I'm not going to build my brand that way but I'm much happier (laughs) I can when your first book came out how long did it take from when you started writing it to getting it published what was the publishing process right and then having to go on publicity tours or do that kind of stuff that must be so alien for you you're a country girl a country vet Um, you're quite a a private person that must have been challenging it's a funny thing I I met a lovely quote by a British writer called Matt Haig a a few years ago and and he said that the, the problem is just that to write a good book you have to be a super sensitive rather neurotic introvert and then to publicize a book you have to have a skin like a rhinoceros and be incredibly extroverted and it's really hard to to get the balance how long did it take you when did you start your first book uh the first one that got published Crikey, it was probably the fourth or fifth thing I'd written, but I started it and it, and it instantly felt different. Um, although it's rather amateur when I read it now, I felt like I'd got my tor- turn of phrase sorted and it, and, it, and it felt right. I thought, oh yes, this is how I write. And, and away I went. Probably after a year, I'd written about three quarters of it and I submitted it at that stage and, a, and it was accepted. So yeah, it probably took me 18 months to write. Which one was that? Was that uh, it- Dinner at Roses. Dinner at Roses. Okay. So in that one, there were, was that the one where there were the twins? No. No, the no. brother and sister. Which one was that? That was the Pretty Delicious Cafe. Where did you get that idea from? I'm not sure. And I'm not actually sure I, I pulled it off. The, 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 the premise was that they were sort of slightly telepathic twins. And again, I meant that one to be rather more mystical and magical than it came out. I find that even though I like the idea, I'm, I, it, it doesn't feel real enough. And I, I keep writing bits and then going, nah, that wouldn't happen. That wouldn't happen. <laughs> Turning it back to, to normal. But I'm not sure where I first got the idea, but I'd sort of been playing around with it since I was about 15. Just right. just wouldn't it, wouldn't it be fun if, you would, if, if telepathy was a thing and how might it work? And, and if you weren't a new age person who was all into flowers and crystals, how would you manage it? And wouldn't it be a bit embarrassing? <laughs> I thought it was a really interesting. When you published that first one, what happened then? You you had to go on a a tour, did you? Or no, no, book tours don't really exist now. Well, you know, and unless you're Jodie Picoult or, or you know somebody terribly famous. These days, publishers pretty much tell you to embrace Twitter and wave you goodbye. <laughs> Do they really? Yeah. More or less, yeah, that it's a real, we'll buy a lot of manuscripts and not pay very much for any of them and some of them will will do well and some won't and we won't invest very much. It's not not that they're all a pack of wankers, it's it's just that publishing has shrunk and most people are, you know, three or four people working out of a cupboard somewhere and publishing these long lists of books and they just can't do the any sort of individual attention isn't that so. interesting because kindles changed the whole um landscape of publishing completely hasn't it it has yeah so it used to be a little bit glamorous and, and you used to be sort of put up and wined and dined and lunched and but but now i think you have to be important enough not to need it before you get it <laughs> you sent your manuscript off to a, a kiwi publishing house no no i sent it to ellen and unwin in australia because because they allowed electronic submissions <laughs> and that seemed a lot less scary 
they said no to the book that I sent them. But it was the nicest rejection letter I've ever had in my life. They said, terrible idea, beautifully written. Go do something else. (laughs) (laughs) And it it was so sweet because that was, you know, that was sort of why I submitted it. It's like, crikey, I've spent quite a long time mucking around with this. If, you know, if I'm no good, I better know now so I can get on with something more useful. (laughs) So so when you said earlier that when you sat down to write that book you felt different how did it feel different you said the turn of phrase was different you felt like you'd nailed it what was different about I stopped I I think I just wrote it in the first person and pretended that I was saying it and I said it the way that I would say it rather than thinking that I'm not terribly interesting so I'd better try and be a little bit more impressive and a little bit more grandiose and you know which of course you can't you can't pull off consistently because it's not you so yeah it was a lovely feeling it was a a lovely feeling when it when it clicked and I thought oh oh yes yeah exactly so is it autobiographical at all or is it just that you're that character or that character is based around you crikey well the the four novels that I've written they're all written in the first person and they're all written by somebody who says and does exactly what I would do in that situation which makes me feel a bit uncomfortable as somebody's going to realize eventually that these heroines are all one person so she's very sweet she's very gentle that heroine thank you you're welcome so let's go back to the vet side of things and growing up on a farm so did you grow up in the same area Um, uh yes yes I I grew up on the farm that we live on now so that was one thing that I did change in in two shakes I made it my husband's farm and not and not ours mostly because I I felt that I could reproduce my husband and kids like 100% because they couldn't really do anything about it and they probably weren't going to sack me but but I didn't want to do that to anybody else you know, so I didn't, I didn't want to put mum and dad in as photographs of themselves. And yeah, you know, and yes, in it, of course, of course, she's made up like, of course, <laughs> ghastly sister-in-law. <laughs> I was, when I was reading it, knowing that you'd change names and change characters and everything, I'm like, oh, I wonder if there is anybody like that and whether anybody's reading it going, oh, she's talking about me. <laughs> no, she's a composite of everybody who's pissed me off for the last 10 years. So. Well, of course, the thing is that in real life, there aren't very many truly dreadful people, but it's terribly boring if everybody's delightful and, yeah, you know, you you have to have someone a bit nasty. Where do you get your ideas from for the novels? I mean, Two Shakes was based around your life. And for anybody that hasn't read it yet, it's written like a daily diary. So, yeah, well, I wrote down every day what had happened yesterday. So... That was your writing for the morning, was it? You yeah, yeah, exactly. It was so much easier than writing a novel. It was just, you know, not not trying to worry about a, a story arc and how the characters were going to fit together. And yeah, was the wedding real? No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. I I had to have, I thought, some sort of big thing to happen. So I planned that when I started, and then I'd sort of changed my mind by the time I got there. But it didn't matter. The ideas for your stories so that was a story that was woven into real life but the ideas for the stories in the other four how did you come up with those you develop a bit of an ear for for funny things that that people say for a start and and tend to borrow things and 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 slot them in and and give them to to other people and I borrow settings all the time from just what I've been doing yeah you know if it's a horrible drizzly day then 
that's probably how the next scene starts. And yeah. Okay. And the characters in there, because being a country vet, I can imagine that a lot of the characters are based on or composites of people that you've met through Mm. Um, what you do every day well, that, that was that was actually rather disappointing because of course all the really best stories you can't use at all <laughs> because the people would just sue you <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> and and I did have a terrible shock um last week a, a very nice woman I know she rang me up and she said I've got two questions two questions one is what is your recipe for good weed spray that that, that kills traders against you and she said, and the other one is that, that absolute asshole farmer. Was that you know John Smith? Oh God! You know, I didn't think anyone would ever recognise him. <laughs> so that's concerning. Um, my, my hope is is that this person can't actually read and, and wouldn't anyway. But yeah. <laughs> so in in that case where you have, let's just change compl- topics completely here. Let's go to the vetting side of it because there's a few characters in in a few of your books that like the one the novel about the vet and your uh, and two shakes as well there's a couple of characters that are really vile to their vets tell me about them you don't have to name names obviously but tell me about what's actually happened in those scenarios oh you mean are they are they real and are there are there people like that well yeah partly but also what was the incident that caused you to write about that uh, to write about them well i mean you do do that odd absolutely revolting carving and in every practice has got one or two people that every time you know <laughs> someone puts their head into the office and say who's gonna go to that place it's like, oh bag's not no no it's terrible yeah it's not so much that you know you need to write down these traumatic events and the, describe these horrible people to get them off your chest it's just more fun to write about nasty people <laughs> like always so you remember that you know that the bloke that was a bit of a pig and you amplify it and make him much worse than he actually was and exaggerate it because that's more fun and yeah it's it's just fun (laughs) there was an old lady whose cat needed putting down and she was so upset and the vet in the novel had to go round and take the cat Mm. that's the heartbreaking side of being a vet isn't it yeah it it is it is sad but nice um (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know I mean it's it's lovely when people love their animals like that and yeah it's gorgeous um the, the the really hard stuff is the the stuff that things didn't go very very well or it died and you didn't think it should and then you lie awake and wonder what you should have done differently you know that's yeah, people assume that it's the the putting animals to sleep that's really hard and heartbreaking and I don't find that 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 it, that it is I mean not that I you know rub my hands together and go yes I killed three cats it was a great day but yeah that's not the stuff that that I lie awake at night and feel bad about it's the ones where you you just because there was a a a part in two shakes where you said you're in the dentist chair and you recognize the look on his face which was just oh crap this is (laughs) going really badly (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think this was going to happen like that yep (laughs) yes exactly that's that's the bad bit of the job <laughs> that I started I embarked on this and I didn't really think it through and now I'm in the middle of it and <laughs> I'm gonna have to try and sort it out tell me about one of those which one of those is stuck in your mind the most I do I remember one particularly awful it was a cow with a prolapsed uterus in a in a 
hideous mud puddle on a terrible day and, and person helping I think she weighed about 40 kilograms and she was about four foot tall and and, and you know like sort of no no practical help whatsoever didn't go right what had happened is that the uterus had come out and then all of the intestines had followed it and they were inside the mass so there was this enormous as big as a 44 gallon drum sort of organ all full of stuff and so I thought okay right well I can't get it back in and I opened up the uterus and then sort of tried to shovel everything else back in and and you know muddy and bleedy and awful and and, and in hindsight you think what why did I put that poor animal through why didn't I just say no go home and get the gun and you, and you sort of don't and you try a little bit and then you try a little bit of something else and 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 then you have that what, what's it called that that bias where you feel <laughs> I've been here for two hours I can't give up now and there are a few of those you get better at them you know you don't get into so many of those situations after a few years but it still happens right is it it's an experience thing that stops you getting into those situations Most, mostly yeah and, and carvings are the are the worst for it I'll just try this I'll just try that. Oh, that didn't work either. And now I'm tired and now I'm not making good decisions. And yeah, you still get one of those every couple of years. And yeah, why did I embark on this? <laughs> and whose and who's best interest was this? <laughs> one of the things that fascinated me in your book, when you were writing the list of what you achieve, and particularly at shearing time, when you've got to bake, you just spend all day making food for the shearers. And you've still got to look after the kids and then you'll go out into the garden and do stuff. And then you've got to go out into the farm and sort out with the animals and feed the cattle because you had no feed at the time and all the, how do you manage to sleep or do anything other than work around the farm and look after the kids and everything? How do you get it all done? Well, I mean, you don't get it all done often, but, (laughs) but it's amazing how much you get through if you just start and keep going it was a, it was a little bit like that today you know got the smoke over the shearers and fed out and yeah got back and got lunch and into town and changed a tire and got some gravel on the back of the ute so that I can redo the driveway and got Blair's rugby photos and set my cat trap on the way home and is yes. that wild cats is it Feral yes cats? yes definitely definitely <laughs> not, not some horrible sadistic person who goes around trapping the neighborhood pets <laughs> I'm just I'm kind of aware that there's a lot of people that aren't from the country and aren't from Australia and New Zealand so we'll be able to relate what's to what's going on but some people can't so talk to me about the shearing what happens in the shearing so smoko (laughs) because if you're American or English you're not going to understand what smoko is yeah well they start at seven o'clock every morning and they do four two-hour runs so they go seven to nine and then they have smoko morning tea at nine o'clock and then 9 30 to 11 30 and then lunch and, and then two more runs in the afternoon so today they had what did they have sausage roll and chocolate cake for morning smoko and shepherd's pie and garlic bread and coleslaw for lunch and apricot shortcake and cheese scones for afternoon and, and you're expected to bake all that as as yeah yeah i and I, I did a little bit of stuff for tomorrow. So I've got the sausage pie and the lemon cake and stuff. And I've got a bit more to do tomorrow. Do you get any writing done at this time of year? Or is that just out the window? Yeah, yeah. Because the, the writing sort of half past five in the morning. Yeah. Oh, and it's now nine o'clock at night your time. I'll go to bed soon. 
<laughs> yeah, wow. no, to, today has been a little bit crazy. It's had lots of stuff to fit in. And a dear friend, my flatmate from university, came to stay last night. And yes, yeah, so of course, we set up a bit late. And, <laughs> and the full moon, but you got the... Uh, yeah, that's right. ...last night, which was so lucky. And I, because I'm a moron and I never follow any current affairs, <laughs> I missed the entire thing. So. <laughs> Did you? Yes, but the moon does look gorgeous. It, Although, I, I, I don't know if it's a real thing or not but at yoga on monday night the instructor who's quite sort of new age she was explaining that with this you know moon probably we'd all feel a little bit fragile and a little bit fraught and my goodness at work on tuesday we we're <laughs> the most pitiful bunch you've ever met <laughs> we all had our feelings hurt and felt that nobody loved us and it just wasn't fair and so i don't know if that was the moon or not you were talking in the book about how you have to give a talk on something at an annual conference is was that is that oh. real no you made that oh up. yes but it, it's not a conference we're a branch of a big practice and they run a continuing education evening so everyone has to get up and you know talk about something vaguely interesting for a few minutes do you find that scary yes it's dreadful because <laughs> i did wonder about that as i'm reading some, i'm like I, I wonder if she actually has gets anxiety about this because yes, i'm not a confident public speaker i actually forced myself to they offered a toastmasters course through work a couple of years ago and it was the last thing in the world i wanted to do but i thought right i, I need it i hate it i hate the idea so much that i must do it so that helped a little bit how did you go with it what was it like actually it was it was hilarious that the, the people who came to teach us they were the the, the strangest bunch <laughs> there's a, a tall thin young fellow who was all adam's apple and a sort of pedantic older gentleman and <laughs> it was all just a bit, a bit funny but it was good practice did you learn a lot did you get a lot from it yeah yeah it, it was rather informal you know there were half a half a dozen of us from from different clinics who'd all thought for one reason or another that we really should make ourselves do this and and of course so you're completely among friends and you're giving these little five minute speeches and it's so scary and it's yes yeah, so it's just nice to push through that and realize that you're not going to die and yeah, yeah that's right. next move from here so you're doing this teen or young adults novel are you going to be doing something else as well oh i'm i'm sure i will i i I really enjoy writing well you know (laughs) in the same way that you enjoy going for long runs you like having done it (laughs) yeah when you've finished it feels good (laughs) exactly exactly I'm sure that I'll keep writing things but I have written one or two things under contract and and very much not enjoyed the the pressure doesn't pay very well and I resent having to treat it like a like a real job when there's not really a financial incentive for it so I'd much rather just treat it as a as a fun hobby that you know I'm much more productive if I'm enjoying it rather than resenting it yeah and then see if someone will publish it at the end I was gonna ask you about that because when you said you know you sit down and you do an hour and a half every day I know like I'll do guest posts for magazines and I get the biggest shits when it comes to deadline time because I've got to that's awful yeah something like I hate it so if I could just get up in the morning and and, you know go right I'm gonna write about this today or I'm gonna talk about this today or I can have a conversation with somebody but to sit down and actually write about a topic I struck well if I tell myself I have to do anything I just won't enjoy it (laughs) yeah I know it's deadlines are such tricky things because if you don't have any time pressure then it's very easy to not do anything but they're so unenjoyable. So yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So how do you get the, because I couldn't do it, I couldn't go, right, an hour and a half a day, I'm going to do this. I might do it for a few weeks and then it'll trail off. How have you managed to keep that going? Well, slowly and laboriously, but it's a thing, you can't do it, you can't do it with willpower because it's just too hard. Like Willpower doesn't work, so you just have to make it a habit and you're out of bed and staggering across the carpet and putting on the kettle before you think about it. And I find that I have to trick myself as well. Say, look, it doesn't matter if I hate this in five minutes, I'll stop. And of course, you never do. You know, you've always got a little bit into it and a little bit interested. And I find that, yeah, I have to not not put very much pressure on myself. <laughs> right. Yeah. Trick myself into sitting down and then I'm all right. How many words do you get done? Is there like an average number of words? Is it some days you do lots and some days you do none at all? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, about a 300 word a word a day sort of a person so a page ish at times in my life when I've had you know writing mornings oh I won't let myself get up until I've done 500 words and if I do a thousand I'm really stoked but I would never achieve more than that I'm certainly not one of these people you know, I belong to various writers groups on Facebook and people oh 5,000 words today oh my good god how did you do that yeah. And everyone does that differently, of course. Some people write a little bit and polish and polish it, and other people write a rough first draft and, yeah, go what from What do there. you do? Do you go for, do you just write and then keep the story going and then go back? No, I, I polish it. I have to, yeah, I, I, I have to like the previous paragraph and think it sounds about right before I'll go on to the next because it's very easy to fall into the trap of just endlessly titivating and polishing and you have to you do have to force yourself to keep going a bit <laughs> but yeah I, I expect that when I submit something there'll be a, an odd little query and they'll move a few commas and that wasn't the experience I got back yeah it'll be good when you've rewritten half of it <laughs> I was absolutely <laughs> flawed <laughs> but, wow. but yeah I do like to pull polish things really carefully I, I suspect I would make much better progress if I made myself write a thousand words before I was allowed to look back and fix anything but you got to go with what works for you as well yeah, yeah that's right that's right and th- something I find is if it's a bit crap and it doesn't say it doesn't get across what I meant it to get across and it doesn't feel right I find it really really hard to go on because I'm a bit bored right (laughs) I like to get it to the point where I read it and go oh yes yes that's what I meant yes perfect whether anyone else thinks that who would know but (laughs) what is your favorite book that that you've written that I've written that you've written yeah which one was your favorite which one was hardest and which one was the easiest to write? The first one was the easiest because it was all just so exciting and so much fun. And I just wrote in any second that wasn't occupied by something else, you know, for hours and hours and hours on end. The second one was the hardest. It's probably my favourite, but it was the hardest. I had a, an unrealistic deadline and, and an editor who or a publisher when I kept trying to say I can't I can't do this I can't do that you know the kids were toddlers and I was so tired and I was trying to do stuff and I was on call and 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 I think I wasn't forceful enough and and she sort of kept saying no 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 you'll be right you'll be right Mm. Um, and and I actually had a little bit of a little bit of a breakdown and (laughs) had to have a spell on antidepressants after that one I just got myself into such a pickle um, just got got so tired and took it all so terribly seriously when of course who cares it's a novel <laughs> yeah so, so that what one was, really what was the first one just for people. Uh, dinner, dinner at roses dinner at roses and the second one was was chocolate cake for breakfast yeah so I I found it very very hard I, I just got I got so tired and then I had this deadline and so I would sit down and sort of 
struggle and struggle for hours and hours and of course accomplish nothing because I was miserable and exhausted and you know but um but lacking the perspective to say I'm going to put this away for a week and then it'll go a bit better yeah so and so how long was there between finishing chocolate cake for breakfast and starting the next one? Oh, I can't remember um a few months I think I was quite flat <laughs> after mm. I'd finished that and quite sad about the whole thing and just a, a bit silly I sort of look back and shake my head and oh gosh you know it's a shame that you've lost your perspective like that dear but oh well never mind do you still do is there still a negative association with that book or is that do you feel okay about it I, I like the book now yeah I did like it when I'd finished it I left that publisher I just didn't want to work with lady anymore <laughs> And they're a wonderful company. Yeah. Um, but in hindsight, it, it was, wasn't really anybody else's fault. I mean, how were they to know I was twisting myself up into a knot and, you know, suffering in silence from across the sea? They couldn't see that, <laughs> you know. But, but you know, you get, you get silly and, and you feel that people should know these things. <laughs> so I got sort of resentful and quiet and, and then sort of lost my rag about things that didn't matter at all and you know, <laughs> rang the poor woman up and shouted at her down the phone, which was, must have perplexed her quite a lot. So. And did you just go to one publisher or did you send it out to quite a few? Uh, I had an agent and when the next manuscript was done, I asked you to submit it to different people just to see if we had any more options just because it wasn't particularly that I was still feeling resentful I just thought I'm ashamed of the way that I acted and and yeah I don't want to keep having to remember it and I'd, I want to start again and, and be professional rather than sort of become somebody's best friend and, and then have it all go. Was your experience now different to what it was before? Is the experience of writing a book different? Yes I don't enjoy it as much as I did and that makes me sad um you know it's just that that first well I suppose it's like falling in love with somebody you know <laughs> they're so exciting for a while and, and you know you still you still like them a few years later but <laughs> they don't make your heart beat faster so it's it's a little bit more of a job and, and less of a, a passion project than it was thank you so much Danielle it's really lovely to meet you you too lovely to meet you yeah. thank you Bye. Bye.